Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paul O'Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, y'all? How you guys doing? Blessed as always. We're living out here. Just because I know somebody's going to say it and I don't care. Look, here's the thing. I can't believe, no, for real, I cannot believe we're still in quarantine. This is wild. <laughs> You know, the reason why I'm saying this, Amber, by the <laughs> way, is because there's people that complain to say I talk too much at the beginning, but at some uh, point they got to just accept it. Get your own platform. That's your this style. That's your this style. Is our style. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't care. No, but really, it's crazy <laughs> that we are going through this and I'm glad just be able to still have the opportunity to come here week after week and be able to still share and learn with entrepreneurs who are out there just getting after it because yes. there's never been a time like today. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, sir. And what we're what we're doing now is going to change, change the way things are happening in healthcare. So we are blessed and yes. um, really, really excited that you're able to join us today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so before we get started, because I have to introduce you guys, we have another special guest in the building. So this week, me and Paul decided to get back to our roots once again, get back into physical therapy. So, without further ado, we have the lovely and Miss Wonderful Dr. Amber Brown in the building. Doc, talk to us. I go by Amber, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hop right into it. We we like to be respectful of your time, so let's let's just dive right in. We always like to start with why. So tell us, why PT? Why PT? Well, I've always known that I was going to go into the medical field. Always knew that. I think it was eighth or seventh grade we were able to do some groundhog job shadowing and I went with the ophthalmologist or optometrist and he was like if you're going to do this be an ophthalmologist didn't even know there was a difference then I realized I don't want to look at eyeballs all day, all day. like that's just not my style no, nothing against ophthalmologists that's they you know but for me I just didn't want to just be with eyeballs so it really took me until <laughs> my senior year of undergrad because I enjoyed undergrad. Um, my senior year of undergrad, I was like, you know, I need to kind of buckle down and figure out what I'm going to do with life, right? Now's a good time. And one of my uh, previous classmates, well, not classmates, he was a couple years older than me. He helped me get a tech position for PT. And that was really my main introduction. Mind you, I've already had PT in high school, cause, which I think is a lot of people's journey into PT, because uh, I had an injury to my ankle from volleyball. 
I didn't really think of it as a career. So I was like, okay, this is something I might, I might be able to do. All right. Then I had a gap year. And during that time I was in like two or three different settings as a tech. And when I tell you one of those settings was outpatient, I will never forget. These moms used to go into a back room. I'm like, what are all these women doing with these baby strollers? Like what's going on? Cause I was on the sports side. But at the end of the day, when we were cleaning up the, the place for F, as a tech duty, I would find condoms in the trash can. I'm like, what is going on back here? What is going on? So that was my introduction to pelvic floor. <laughs> Not all of us use condoms <laughs> when we're treating, but for a, a certain technique, we have to use them. But that was my world, an introduction to pelvic floor physical therapy. And I was like, wow, okay. But then also looking back, I realized like my mom had to have physical therapy for her back at one point. Um, I had an aunt who her, one of her legs was amputated. She needed physical therapy. So you just realize how many people throughout life needed physical therapy. And I was like, hmm, okay, I think I can, I can do this. So that was really my, my why was that I wasn't going to be stuck into in one area or part of the body and I can make a big difference. But again, that was just my introduction. That was before I dive deeper into the career. <laughs> First off, guys, I just want to let you know, uh, it's not that type of podcast. So <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said it was my introduction to pelvic floor physical therapy. It's a specialty. <laughs> <laughs> but see, just like y'all were shocked, I was shocked, okay? I didn't even realize that physical therapists could do that. That was my introduction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So for our listeners who are not in physical therapy, now you know, you know a little bit about the wonderful world of pelvic health. Yes. So, so you talked about uh, one of the last things that you said that, that I, I kind of want to hit on that a little bit. You talked about being stuck in one area. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I feel like I find, not just from the lens of, of currently being a student, but also, right. you know, from the lens of being an entrepreneur, one of the things that I find and that I think a lot of people can resonate with is the fact that sometimes you get to a point in your journey where you have these goals lined up and you hit one, it feels good. And then mm-hmm. you hit another and it feels good. And eventually, you can get to a point to where you feel like you're, 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 you're kind of at your peak or you're kind of at like a pinnacle. Plateaued. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. And so my question to you is when you hit that point of plateau in your mm-hmm. career, how did you find the motivation to be able to break through that and look for new peaks to climb? I'll actually say my journey, I, I hit my plateaus or my peaks at various. So my, mine is really more of the, you know, hit the peak, come down to a valley. Like I had those moments in my career. So when I started off working, I started June, 2013. By October, 2013, I was burned out. I didn't know how to, to be my own best advocate because I was given the, the full schedule of someone who had three years of experience as a new grad. And I didn't know how to speak up for myself. And so that was kind of like peak and then dip back down. But I, I use that time because even though I was building up kind of like the external or more like pregnancy part of the uh, women's health program, because I hadn't had any kind of special, extra special training, I made sure I didn't pigeonhole myself, if you will. Like I knew my journey wasn't going to just be 
just pelvic floor health. And for those who don't know, when it comes to pelvic floor, you, you treat the whole body. The, the, the neck is connected to the pelvic floor. So if you forget how to treat the neck, you're not treating your patient effectively. So that whole first year while I was burned out, I focused on ortho. I took all these continuing ed credits so that I could know who I was as a therapist. Then I came back up to a peak because I completed a residency. So during that time, it was like a whole new world. I was learning so many new techniques, treating everyone, even learning about lymphedema. And like my passion came back. I was like, oh, this is why I want to do this. This is great. And that probably lasted for a good five years. And then the valley came again. So just for you know, I unexpectedly lost my dad in 2012, so right? The year before I graduated from PT school. And then I unexpectedly lost my mom February 2017. Like when I say devastated from both, devastated. And that was another valley because I, like for corporate, if you will, because you realize all of a sudden where you're like, oh, this particular village isn't my village. My original coworkers had left for different reasons. Um, we had new management and we didn't really have that support. So you just kind of get into a funk, if you will, and you have to find your way out to make sure that you're able to continue to grow, right? Like I knew I was comfortable. Like it was one of those things. It was a secure job. I made decent money. I was a senior therapist and I was, believe it or not, one of the only people who used my actual pay time off. Like I stayed on vacation. You know, I'm like, don't give me these benefits if you don't want me to use them. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a, a beauty about work-life balance. And so I think that's really what helped me with my sanity during that time of like learning who I was all over again of losing both parents and having a really good tribe. I always say you thrive in a tribe, right? Having a really good support outside of my work environment. They were the ones who started pointing out to me like, Amber, you're complaining a lot. Like, I'm not a complainer. It took other people pointing that out to me, like, Amber, you do realize, like, we know you're going through some things, having to, you know, settle a state, all that fun stuff that no one wants to ever talk about. And having that support from previous classmates, too, who were like, you know what, Amber, we're at CSM 2018. They're like, Amber, this is your time to go, go to those private practice sections. Like, just go and listen. They also know I'm, uh, I'm really into Judge Judy side note. So <laughs> I'm like, well, if I do take this step, I need to make sure I know all the steps I need to take. So that was my inspiration. I'm like, let me do my research because I love Judge Judy. I don't want to be on one of her court cases. So let me do my research. <laughs> and that really was my inspiration for kind of getting all that background, start doing that research work. Again, passion came back, something new. I'm random. I'm a yoga instructor. I got that in uh, July, 2017. Part of it was because I started incorporating it with my patients. I respect boundaries. So it was one of those, like, that's a field that as a student, I didn't feel was appropriate for me to teach my patients if I didn't truly understand the background with it. So, but it also it helped me heal going through that journey of becoming a teacher. And so just finding these new passions and these new connections, I think really helped pull me out. And then I met a midwife who encouraged me. She was like, no, I really need to work with a physical therapist. You have it. Like so many people saw in me that what I, I knew I had, but I didn't know if I had the energy <laughs> or the drive or desire. Like some of my previous patients from my other job were like, are you going to open up your own clinic? I'm like, no, I like being able to clock in, see my patients, do my notes and leave. 
you know, and get paid on vacation. But I didn't realize I could still do that in my own clinic if I set my own boundaries and system. And then seeing that freedom and flexibility made a big difference. That helped me keep going to where I am now. But don't get me wrong, corporate life, I needed that because that's when I learned about like admin, because as a senior therapist, I was learning more about the back end for admin stuff. I learned how to market. I built a program from no patients to a wait list, <laughs> you know, where people had to wait months to come in to see me. I developed great relationships with different providers and my patients who they referred people. I developed great mentorships from different people still within that same system. So from 2013 to 2019, I was with the same company but just different clinics. They have a lot of satellite clinics. And so some of the people I met at the other clinics, they became my mentors in different ways as, you know, experienced uh, physical therapists. And in that set structure or environment, that's also where I learned who I was as a PT, what I wanted to accept. I would have patients who would come in and be like, I can't come back. I can't afford these prices. And I knew I, I didn't have control over those prices. It wasn't my clinic. So I felt I wasn't really helping my patients as efficiently because I can't, I can't help give you everything you need in one, in one visit. I can't. And so knowing that me being able to take control, me being also nerve finances, I knew that I could have more control of my own clinic and be able to provide services to people without breaking the bank. And so just seeing that future and that quote unquote freedom, <laughs> I think was really my drive. So I don't know if I ever really hit a plateau. I've hit, I, I've had my peaks and my valleys. Cause even right now I'm getting my PhD before I opened my practice. I thought I was going to, my retirement plan was going to be teaching and I've guest lectured. I, I still guest lecture in different classes down here. I thought that was my retirement plan. It still could be. It could be my part-time. <laughs> that really helped me kind of always climb out, like, what's my next step? What's, what's my future? You rarely see a PT retiring at age 70, right? And I knew I needed to make sure I was planting the seeds now so that I was prepared for that time when my body was like, okay, take a break, sister. <laughs> take a break and listen to me. So, yeah, I know that was a long explanation, but I don't think I've quite hit my plateau. I think I'm I still, even now I'm a health and finance coach, which is a whole nother thing, but it ties in, it ties in. Cause you know, the connection of stress and then what it does to our body, but you're stressed because you can't afford healthcare. So then you don't get help. So then as a physical therapist, you know, we, we see the effects of it all being connected and I'm like, no, I need to help my patients as a whole. So I'm still, still climbing back to my next peak. <laughs> Let me follow up because I had like 10,000 questions, but um, I don't know where to start. I was running so my I'll, mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you were teaching. You were teaching. What I need to know, and I think what would really benefit the listeners too, is kind of understanding. So through your journey, when it came to setting your own boundaries, and mm -hmm. I don't think we ever actually hit this too much on, you know, other episodes we've done. Right. But I think like as, as entrepreneurs, I think there's a version of like setting boundaries where people just assume like, oh my, whatever this, whatever that, but even entrepreneurs on their journey to becoming an entrepreneur, to becoming successful, forget to set boundaries either within themselves yes. or set boundaries mm -hmm. with like 
their personal time. And I say this kind of reflecting where for me, the way I've had to set boundaries, even with like the podcast, what we're doing, even my business, I have to like, my life runs on a planner, right? I schedule everything and anything. You, but like well, for me, those boundaries. Oh, <laughs> you have a planner. Exactly. I, I'm a paper so planner person. People know. <laughs> no, I, I'm the same way. But you know, for me, those boundaries have to be set on paper because like one, it prevents me from over committing. Mm-hmm. because I don't make time decisions unless I'm literally looking physically at my planner. And then two, right. it allows me to not only set the priorities that are important, but then the things that are of the utmost importance. And if the two can mm-hmm. hit, then I've like mm-hmm. really achieved how to properly set boundaries. So kind of take mm-hmm. us through like your, your process when you started to learn how to set your boundaries as you were growing, as you're learning all these things, because you just, there's a lot of fire up in this joint and, and we're going to get into it. <laughs> Um, but let's just start yeah. right there. I will say people, my, my friends joke and they're like, Amber, are you, are you done? Like you keep adding more things. I'm like, but I'm not, I don't feel, I know my limits, right? You have to know your limits. I know how, if my, I'm starting to become stressed, I know that. And that, that's taken time where I'm like, oh, you know, if I start getting a headache, that, that means I'm stressed. And I didn't realize that, but it will even go back to, as far as being able to set my schedule, I had my first job in sixth grade. I'm Air Force brat. You can work at the commissary, which is their, um, their grocery store. You can work there for tips. So I had to make sure I knew my schedule, right? Because you had to have mom and dad pick you up. <laughs> so that's kind of what started me. But then ever since they first handed out paper planners, I was always that kid who had those milky pens or the color pens and I color coded everything. Like I developed that at a young age. And so that carried on with me even through undergrad. One year I thought I lost my, um, my planner. My friends like, they were like, Amber, we, we thought you lost your brain. I'm like, yeah, because I tell people to this day, if you don't see me write something down, it didn't happen. Like we didn't have this discussion. I didn't commit to anything because you didn't see me write it. And I've really had to stick with that even to this day. I've tried, look, I tell people I'm old school. I have my paper planner. I get excited every year when I'm like, ooh, let me pick up my new planner. I've tried putting it in my phone. I missed one appointment one time because I put it in my phone. I'm like, I'm over this. I can't get up with this new technology. <laughs> That's for these young kids, even though I know it's not. But I did have really good advice, probably my second year as a PT from an, an, a more seasoned therapist. And she said, Amber, make sure you're single and you don't have kids. Make sure people don't take that as an advantage. Make sure they don't make you think you, just because you don't have quote unquote an immediate family, that that means you can work longer hours or they could ask you to do more because they don't know what you do outside of here. And I, I'm really involved. I'm involved in my uh, alumni chapter of my sorority and I'm a chair. You know, I'm involved in several other organizations outside my business. And that was probably my best advice as a professional making sure like, yeah, I could probably, you know, work another hour here or I could, you know, switch my schedule around, but I had to protect my own energy. I'm a night owl. So me dedicating and or committing to seeing a patient at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m., that was my first uh, moment of really having to protect my boundaries as a professional. Because yeah, you're like, oh, that's the only time you can come in right before work. But if I did 7 a.m. five days a week and me naturally being a night owl, burnout, right? 
And you have to be able to identify those signs of burnout. That's how you really realize, mm, I need to reevaluate. So what I knew for as, as my schedule with my paper planner all my life changed as a professional and it changed as an entrepreneur because I'm not about that hustle life. What I mean by that is I'm not about, you know, only getting two hours of sleep because I go from this job, then I have to finish this. And then, no, what about your health? When you, when you're, when you start getting sick, <laughs> you know, like how's that helping you? You didn't, you didn't set your boundaries. So there are times where like once a quarter, I'm really sitting down reevaluating, like, hmm, how did I do? How did my schedule, my final paper planner, how does that look? Did I commit? I color code things too. So I'm like, is there a little too much red here? Is there too much green? <laughs> like, what are these colors looking? Am I putting too much on my plate? And I really have to ask myself and be honest. And I know we were sad that we're stuck in quarantine, but during this time, I really would say this has been a time of reset. This has been a time of me really being able to say, you know what, as I'm treating my patients, I'm only in my office from here to here. Even though I might be in there longer, that's for my admin time. And the schedule I have developed during this time, I'm like, I'm going to carry it over. Even when things officially open all the way back up, I'm going to continue this. Quarantine, what, for whatever, you know, everyone's complaining about. I'm like, y'all, this is a time of reset. What wasn't working for you before evaluate it now and see what you can keep and what you need to let go. This is the time. Create your boundaries, especially now. Create your boundaries. There's never a time that's too late. Always go back and evaluate. Reevaluate it. Always. Somebody get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. No, you no, you you are speaking facts right now. And I think that it's so critical that word that you just use reevaluate so critical i remember this was a bunch of episodes ago we were we were speaking to a guest i told her that for me i feel like this time has been refreshing mm-hmm. because it forces you to fall in love with spending time with yourself yes and it forces you to take a second to listen to your inner voice you know it it gives you a moment to be able to sit and and hear God and be able to really relish in the moment and I told her that there was a point where I was outside one day just looking up at the trees and I found myself saying thank you Mm -hmm. and then part of me was like what are you saying thank you for it's it's a tree what are you thanking it for and then it's like well that oxygen that you're breathing right now did you know that the trees help you with that? You know, and, and little things that you didn't notice before when you're when you're in the hustle and bustle and you're always moving, you know, this mm-hmm. is a good time for you to be able to see those things. And like you said, be able to reevaluate and see what's working from what's not. I think that's what can be a very pivotal point for a lot of people in their entrepreneurial journey. And I think this is a pivotal point because I think the the habits and the things that you've been doing while being quarantined, they're, they're going to come to light when things open back up. The seeds that you sowed now, that you've been sowing during this time, you're going to see what kind of harvest you get later on from it. Yes. And so I think that it's so important that you said that. I wanted to ask you, this is, this is a little bit different, but I want to I ask because I have been having this conversation lately. My girl actually started doing yoga 
mm-hmm. I've been thinking about doing yoga. It just seems it seems very peaceful, you know, very easygoing. I've done it before. Right. I know you you gotta be able to bend here and do all this you don't stuff. Have to do anything. You do what your body needs you to do at that time. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> Listen to your body, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Meet you're it right. where you are. <laughs> you're right. But I, I had to ask you though, for you, what do you think about yoga has allowed you to be able to incorporate more balance into your life and into into your well-being? Kind of even tying into your last topic. It, it forces you to be still and be present, right? So many of us don't know how to. <laughs> That's why some of us are just so, we're going wild right now because it's like, I, I can't, I need to be moving. I need to, I'm like, no, be still. Listen, like some people, whether they're in their house or their apartment, they've never heard that like creak that happens every 9 a.m. You know, like all of a sudden they have a little creak in their house. They didn't, they didn't notice it because they were always rushing the alarm you know, goes off and they rush out. I think that's one part of of yoga that really helped with this resetting. You have to know who you are. You really get in tune with your body where you, where you hold your tension, you know, before you, before you get that stress headache, you normally have some other sign in your body that's telling you, calm down. (laughs) You're doing the most. Do you take the time to listen to it? Most of us, the answer is no, but yoga really made you slow down and pay attention. Like, oh, I didn't know my, my right leg had a little bit more flexibility than my left. Why? You know, but, but everything is about just evaluating, um, your internal, you know, how, how are you breathing? Most of us cannot sit down right now and say, Oh, I've been holding my breath for the past two minutes. That's why I was getting this headache. (laughs) You know, I was focusing on something else, but I didn't do that internal scan. And really with, with yoga, I think it helps you reconnect with yourself. And that's, any direction you want to take it, right? No one can tell you what you're supposed to get from yoga. But I really think that it forced me to fully slow down. And I thought I had slowed down before, but it really forced me to be like, wow. Because there are different poses that you'll be in. One's a corpse pose, which is really just when you're lying down at the end. And you're supposed to connect with your breath. But most of the time when you're a student and you're in the class, you're like, okay, so how long do we need to lie here? Because I need to go home and make sure I cook this food, or I need to run this air when I leave. You're like, you're not in that moment. Like, what's stopping you from being for one minute still with yourself? Because really ask yourself, when was, and that's one exercise I even get some of my clients who, we, we live in a high-intensity society, right? high-intense society, right? We're constantly on the go. And I'm like, how many times can you actually sit still for 10 seconds with a clear mind? Some of my patients, the first time they do, it could take them 10, 15 minutes where they'll be like 10, nine. Okay. Are the kids okay? Oh, wait, hold on. I have to come back. Let me start back at 10 seconds. 10, nine. Oh, I need to make that appointment for that car. You know, like we, we don't know how to be still and be with ourselves, but I think going back to boundaries, that's what helps you with your boundaries. I don't know if that answers your question, <laughs> but, no, but yoga no, just helps no. you connect with yourself. It does because I kind of, the reason I asked Amber is because I feel like one of the things that me and Paul discuss often about just the the guests that we've had on the podcast Mm -hmm. is that success leaves clues because success leaves clues. I'm not sure if you've read this book before, but let's talk about Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich real quick. I haven't read it, but I've heard great things. Great book. 
in the book, he said that the basis of it was he dedicated, I think it was a decade, mm-hmm. like he, de- he dedicated just a decade of interviewing like the, the most successful, wealthiest people that there were. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was able to, to find those 13 principles. And it made you, it, like when you really stop and think about it, it's like, okay, out of all of those interviews you had, there were 13 principles that you found everyone had in common. Right. Or were the most frequent things that people had in common. And so me and Paul, we, we look for patterns, for patterns with, with our guests in, in terms of habits that they have, you know, or extracurricular things that they do, you know, aside from the business and stuff like that. And you're not the first person, you know, to tell us about yoga. Mm-hmm. So for me, asking that question, I think about it in the sense that, okay, there's something, there's something there. Right. There's something there that that listeners need to hear that is going to help them kind of break past that barrier that they, mm-hmm. you know, they've just been hitting their, their head on the wall trying to figure out why am I not getting it? Why am I not getting it? Maybe it's because you don't know how to be still. And so I think that was a good segue into that because I, I figured that there is a connection there mm-hmm. that is going to help some people be able to realize ultimately in your life in general you need balance. Yes. And I see, you know, from our conversation and from previous conversations that that's one recurring thing that I'm seeing is, is that yoga, but because it helps you guys center yourself and bring balance and be still in the moment. Yes. One thing I I talk to people about is making sure there's, you have a balance in your health, mental and financial wellness. And what I mean by that, especially as entrepreneur, right? If going back to that cycle about, you know, if you're stressing about finances, then that becomes stress and anxiety. Then what, what does that do to us physically? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves these questions, right? We, we need to really sit down and be like, what's our why? What's our how? Like, how do we have this action plan? And can we slow down? Because there are, there are times where we have all these amazing ideas and directions we want to take. And then it takes us six months. Even whenever I first thought about, because I didn't launch my physical therapy practice right off the bat, right? The bug was in my ear starting February 18th. I didn't truly do the leg work and, and, you know, set up my EIN and all that fun stuff and see my first patient till July. I didn't jump into it because I really, I slowed down. I was like, is this for me? What do I see? What do I want out of this? Can I handle it? Because remember, I was still also greeting from, from my mom. But I was like, can I handle this? Um, I really had to sit down and ask my questions and, and, and be honest. And even with that, it still took me a whole nother year to walk away from that security of a corporate job. And it, that's all it was, was more of just security. And I had to ask myself, why? Was it because I didn't think I could you know, manage a caseload? I proved myself that I could. I built up that other program. But I had to really stop and slow down and ask myself, why are you holding on to something that's no longer serving you? That is straining, you know, you're stressed out working for someone else. You're stressed. <laughs> like, what is, what is causing that? And I think when, as entrepreneurs, when we don't ask ourselves these questions, going back to reevaluating your boundaries, do you have a schedule that once a quarter you're going to reevaluate, Right. Like we know when we have payday, <laughs> we know when we have the patient schedule or we have this podcast schedule, we have that written down 
Why can't we give ourselves part of our mental wellness that time to say, I'm penciling in a reevaluation of where I am at life. And if, if you need to do it once a month initially and then branch it out to once a quarter, that's your right. You know your schedule. But that helps you know who you are and constantly asking yourself, am I doing what I want to do because it's truly who I am? Or am I doing this for another reason? And it's okay to do it for another reason, but you have to know why. All of that's connected with your wellness, your overall wellness. And I think that'll help you succeed as an entrepreneur. Because, you know, especially in this world of social media, you can get online. And I'll tell you right now, I'm terrible at promoting my physical therapy practice online. I will go on there and post. Um, and I'm like, oh, it's been a while. Like initially I would just say on the first day of the month and most time I was like, you know, let me just have a goal of the first week of the month and just be like, hello, whatever month. <laughs> like that was my, initially that was my post on my Instagram, but that's not what grew me. My relationships in the community is what, what helped me grow my practice. And I had to know that for myself, like, am I building up my social media because everyone else is doing it? Or am I doing it because this is what I want to do and this is what I know I need for my business? And now I'm more, I'm, I'm more consistent, but that's because that's where I am at this part of my journey with my business that I'm now out there more. And so I'm like, I'm ready for that. One more thing about boundaries. I will say I had a goal of how many patients I wanted to see per week, but part of my boundaries, because part of my wealth coaching is because I realized with what my parents did growing up and making sure my brother and I had financial literacy. They also said, granted, they didn't expect to pass as young as they did, but they set themselves up for good retirement, which in turn set us up for generational wealth. Because again, they had things in place that it passed down to us. And so that helped. I don't know if I would be where I am if they didn't have that, if I didn't have that kind of support, if that makes sense. Like I had that security, which allowed me to step back and say, Boundary wise, now I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, I'm not, I'm not a millionaire, <laughs> but, but boundary wise, I was able to say, this is my goal. I want to see 15 patients in person because I do have a goal of doing, you know, online things, but 15 patients in person, give or take some, but initially I only want five patients a week because I want to get my systems down in place to make sure I don't burn out because, you know, it takes me three hours to finish initial evaluation because I didn't figure that out. And I have five initial evaluations this week and now I'm stressed and this is no longer serving me. So I set my boundaries in the beginning part of my practice was said by, you know, by this mark in my practice, I want to make sure I'm able to increase it to seven patients or 10 patients. I was able to set those boundaries and slowly grow my practice in that way, but because I was financially secure. And that's why I say it all connects to the financial wellness the mental wellness where I was managing my stress and the physical wellness. This huge connection. And I don't, as entrepreneurs, when I speak with other people, I don't think we all fully plan, like slow down and plan and figure out our why and how. So there's just so much. <laughs> First of all, wow. The reason why I'm so wowed is simply because you said something really key especially back when you talked about, you know, have balance in your health, wealth, and mental stability. I think this kind of points out the difference between entrepreneurs who are, how do I say this kindly so we don't have an insurance bucket? Entrepreneurs who are paper chasing versus entrepreneurs who are impact slash value implementing. Mm -hmm. Let me say that like that. Entrepreneurs who are paper chasing versus those who are trying to 
give value and you know create impact in the in the world in the, in the field of the PT in the field of healthcare. So yes. when it comes to being able to put yourself in a position, because you know clearly I promise you, like I think I've been a business owner for almost a year now, mm-hmm. and yeah. thank you. I think at the very beginning, it was very easy to be like, I want to make such and such, and this is what we want to do, right? And I know many entrepreneurs tend to fall. I'm not going to call it into that in a, in a trap, but I'm call it like a predicament. Yeah. They fall into this predicament because most people start a business because either they need to solve a problem or they need to find a very legal way yes. of uh, <laughs> generating some income. Right. And because both tend to like end up in a situation where I think is like, man, I don't remember what the numbers are. The business is failing. Business is starting to fail. But the big thing is many businesses fail not because they're not looking to create impact. They're so focused on like the numbers that what they're doing. So as an entrepreneur, you know, having that financial security Mm -hmm. backing your decisions or the entrepreneur that isn't in the position to be like, you know, I'm starting this, but I'm also starting this with the understanding that maybe I do need to hit those 15 a week and I can't be in a position to be like, let me just do like five a week at the start. Right, right. So to that entrepreneur who's in that position, who is doing it from like, you know, bootstrap from the ground, the ground mm-hmm. up, you know, started from mm-hmm. the bottom, uh, right. word to Drake. How do you coach them into position to be able to protect their time and then be able to create that balance in their health, their wealth, and then their mental stability? Because I think that's really, really important. You know, going through what you went through, like, Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what that had to be like. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, we can, I mean, I don't know about you, Carl, but I can clearly see that it's put you in a place mentally where you are so like strong mm-hmm. that I'll call them tiny mishaps, probably no longer like bother you. You're not right. new to this, you're true to this. So <laughs> the person that is in that position and they want to be able to reach that place, what do you say to them? How do you coach them? How do you help? and get to that place where like, you know, everything's at peace. How do you help right. them well, get there? Well, so I, in fact, I did a, a mentor meeting the other night about this. People were looking into like going to small business. Always coach people, do your research, right? I can do what I can do. I know my, my practice act in Texas. I know my limitations, but do your research. Spend most of your time doing your research. What's all required? What kind of spacing will you need? Get yourself a good mentor, like a mentor that you click with, if that makes sense. Because I do realize I'm in a different position than what I would have been if, of course, if they hadn't passed. Um, but even if they hadn't passed, I saved my money. With my financial literacy, I've always been a saver. So I have money that I could have supported myself for my salary or my corporate job before I took this leap. I do know there are some people who go straight from, you know, school to being a private practice owner. That's fine. I just ask, do you have a mentor in some way that, that can kind of walk you through that? Do you, how's your financial security with it? If you're walking away as we all do <laughs> with nice student loans, would you be able to support yourself those first couple? Cause Business in and of itself, depending on if you're brick or mortar or if you develop some type of program, but if you're brick and mortar, you're normally not going to be in the positive for a while. You could be treating patients, but you're not treating enough to be able to cover your rent, cover your documentation system if you have it. All those expenses we have as business owners, would you be able to carry yourself 
for three or six months without giving yourself a paycheck, without your business going under. If you aren't able to do that, then you might, not to discourage you, but you, you might need a secure job for a while in some way, right? We, the world we live in, we need money. Let's be for real. And if you want to manage your stress, we need money. I'm not saying you need to have, you know, $10,000 a month, <laughs> but you know your, your minimum number based off your quality of life. And if you know that and you crunch your numbers, that's your action plan. That's your minimum to help you get to where you want to go. But you really have to slow down and have an action, a true action plan. And not just, I want to have this amazing public floor program where people know that they can come see me for this, like one-stop shop, you know, send their family. That's my dream. No, no, you know, maybe long-term, <laughs> but what steps do I need to take right now so that I'm secure? Cause there's nothing worse than being stressed. Cause you know, you had a full caseload of say 15 and then all of a sudden people are sick and you only saw one patient that week, but you don't have a saving account like a business savings account, right? Not even talking about my personal, like business savings account. So just knowing all those steps, having someone who will actually walk you through all those steps to make sure you're prepared. You have an action plan before you take that leap. That helps manage your stress. Are you gonna have stressful moments? Yeah. I would probably say the first three months when I was on my own, I was sleeping. Studies show you can't catch up on sleep, right? <laughs> but my body was catching up on sleep. I was like, oh, I have freedom and I could rest again. But I had to kick myself in behind, like, nah, nah, you need to be your own coach. Just before I had a coach, I was like, you need to pick yourself up and really make these moves because you have goals. What steps are you going to take to be able to reach them? With us, the three of us being paper planner people, we know the importance of actually writing stuff down, right? We have big imag imaginations and big vision, but whenever you don't write it down, take the steps, actually be like, oh, how is that possible for me to do that? That's whenever we get stuck in our heads and that's where more stress will come. Just like whenever we talk about with our patients, we're describing something to our patients on how to treat something. If you can't say it in layman's terms, you don't really know what you're talking about. Same thing with your goals. If you have a really big vision in your head, but you can't write it down and actually be able to verbalize it to someone else, reevaluate it. It's not impossible, just reevaluate it. Something's missing. Bounce it off with your tribe, a supportive tribe, <laughs> but bounce it off with your tribe. But if not, you're going to be starting off on this journey on a roadmap with like three forks <laughs> in the road and you don't know where to go. To me, that's what will help as far as being able to launch without having that financial backing, if you will. But have a plan, 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 written plan. I just have to let that sink in for, for a second. Wow, that was phenomenal. I have to ask you, because I think another problem that we can agree is very prevalent for entrepreneurs is the fact that they do lack that financial literacy. And a lot of times they, they go into a business, you know, they go into whatever brand or company that, that they plan on starting Mm -hmm. And they go into it with just dollar signs in their eyes. You know, they're just focused on what we were saying before. They're focused on how much money they're going to make from it. And it's not to discourage you and say like, like you're not supposed to have goals, right. but it's, it's about being able to understand that if you're always just chasing the dollars, 
you're you're never really going to get to where you want to get to because it has to be bigger than that it has to be deeper than that and i think that a lot of people go that route because they don't have that financial literacy it's very easy for me to say i'm going to start this business and in the next year i want to hit $200,000 right it's very easy for me to say that and completely ignore the fact that okay what expenses do i have what things do I need to save up for? Mm -hmm. What would it look like if I wasn't making money for the next three to six months? And I think a lot of time we try to just push that like in the closet, like, oh, I'll worry about that later. And it's like, no, like that's one of the first things that we have to address Mm -hmm. and that we have to be able to, to sit down and be realistic and say, okay, well, in a perfect world, this is what my vision would look like. But this is not a perfect world. So what does it look like with those hurdles? What does it look like with those financial struggles? How would you recommend for someone who maybe just off of their background, you know, or how how they were raised, um, they didn't have any, any financial literacy being taught to them? Because I mean, that's something that they really don't teach us in school. I mean, and I'll I'll say, my parents taught themselves. My mom was the third oldest of nine. My dad was the third youngest of nine. They both were raised in Southern Texas, right? (laughs) It wasn't easy for Black families with 18 kids, and they didn't know each other before they met. So they taught themselves, and I will say, of all nine siblings, all of them are different places with financial literacy. So if my parents back in 1972 (laughs) could teach themselves with what was freely out there, right? that we we have so much more available to us now we do um that's free but also there are several communities like i have a community where i'm i'm again thriving in the tribe we talk about it we have coaching sessions like what do we need to work on find someone who is where you want to be you have friends with you because I've, I've even talked to my friends who were all in different you know situations in life and I sat down recently, I had interviews with several friends, like, tell me about your, your financial literacy. I had my first savings account when I was in first grade, because there was a connection with like my school and a local bank. And I mean, I was depositing like 25 cents or a dollar, which was big for a first grader, right? But that was my introduction to financial literacy. And then over the years, I was able to develop more skills with that. And so I personally think you need to make sure you have your personal finances together before you try to have a business finance. Like, those two, you really can't control your business finance. You hear a lot of scandals going on, because let me also put, you could be rich, but not wealthy. <laughs> you can make $200,000, but if you don't know how to manage your money, you could be in $3,000 in debt, right? That's stress. So <laughs> you really need to know how to manage your personal finances. There's so many free programs out there and so many groups that really help you with that. You even mentioned a, a, a book, Bank and Grow Rich, right? Like you even mentioned the book. There's so much out there. Go to the library. Don't even buy the book. (laughs) Go to the library and get that free resource, right? But I I make sure I have people like, what's your net worth? Can you sit here right now and tell me your baseline? Not y'all, but can you sit down right now and tell me your baseline assets, liabilities? What's your net worth? Are you in the negative? Most time as students, we're going to be in the negative because we have lovely student loans and we're not making money and we don't have retirement right? So these are all things that you really have to sit and think like, hmm, (laughs) am I going to be okay 
with my student loans and also trying to take out debt for a business. Be realistic, right? There are people out there who do make it rich. They do. Um, not everyone. <laughs> and, and it's not always people who, when we grew up, we didn't learn about financial literacy. But we are in a time where how we were raised doesn't exactly mean who we are now. You have to be able to look at who your caregivers are, your parents, and say, is that the road I want to take? If not, what do I want to change from that? And I think that will help you figure out also how you can learn more about financial literacy. Uh, I have family members and friends who live paycheck to paycheck, right? That's America. Just right now during this quarantine, so many people were one paycheck away from, from bankruptcy, right? And so when I was coaching some people, and again, through financial literacy, I told them, this is not the time to start your own private practice. You need that security. Unless you have a good savings uh, account, you need that security from a job. So personally, I really feel like until you have your, per and I'm not saying you don't have any debt, have, you're going to have your student loans for a while, but until you know how to manage your own personal finance, business finance is a whole nother deal and really do that research. There's really no excuse in 2000, wait, where are we in 2020? <laughs> There's no excuse in 2020 for us not to, Google is, is king. Instagram, whew, you can find so many accounts on Instagram. So many. That's, that's one reason also I went, I'm going into financial coaching because I say, just like in health, it's better to be proactive than reactive. I'm trying to get to high schoolers, collegiates, and then of course, millennials and say, you know, before we get all that credit card debt, before we have to fix our, our situation, why do we have to struggle, right? We need to learn before we hit that mark that's really when we will start growing and then we could really have honest conversations say everyone be a business owner right because you already know your financial situation before you graduate high school or college i think that makes a big difference i do and it could be my personal opinion but, but it's just one of those where I, I think that makes a difference even my my friends when they were um watching with me managing everything with my parents and they were just like wow, <laughs> you're able to manage the financial situation, but that's because of my education and finances where I didn't have to pay, you know, other people to be my advisor. I'm, now a coach always has a coach. I have advisors, but <laughs> I understood how to read numbers and everything. And um, gives you more, you're empowered. The more educated you are with something, you're more empowered and you feel like you have more control in the situation. Don't lack that. Don't let yourself lack that power, especially, like I said, in 2020. We all need to be empowered. You know, it's crazy, you know, as we kind of wrap it up. I think, you know, it's key. It's key that you said that, especially when it comes to, like, even just the ability to self-assess. I think that's one of the most important, like, traits an entrepreneur can have. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even just, like, from the financial literacy side. Now, I'm blessed where I do have a business partner mm -hmm. who is financially blessed yes. and savvy. And so, you know, in my situation, you know, I think I'm fairly decent with the finances, but I also, through self-assessment, I know that I'm one of them emotional impulse buyers. Um, you know so, you know, I know that, right? I'm under, I mean, that's how I ended up joining a <laughs> mastermind. 
because <laughs> I was emotionally driven. But you know, just just with the ability to self-assess and and understanding like how you proactively or reactively move with money, I think it's so important because that's what even allows you. You know, in our situation, we've had to have the discussion where it's like, okay, when we make like financial decisions, especially, and I mean now it's translated even with my girlfriend, it's translated to like even with my own personal finances. I'm like, look, I'm the idea guy. And I can have like 10,000 ideas on how to make money. And I will execute the life out of that joint. <laughs> but, you know, through a self-assessment, it's like I also understood. I'm like, yo, look, because I know I'm marry you and we're going to do this long term. I want you to be able to like handle both our finances because I understand that you have the ability to steward over it in a much more responsible way than I probably could in our business. You have the responsibility to steward over that and get that. I mean, we had to hire an accountant who every month sends us this email that, you know, just makes me wonder, will I ever get it one day? Yeah, you know, you will I ever understand? Repetition. <laughs> no, it's, re it's repetition, you know, and even that, just the ability to understand like, okay, maybe in our situation, we needed to have an accountant who can go through all our finances, mm -hmm. who sees us, who we are financially, right? Mm -hmm. That's a scary thing as an entrepreneur to have somebody else be completely aware of your financial situation. Yeah. is a terrifying thing as an entrepreneur. But you took that first step. A lot of people don't want to have that answer. A lot of people want to kind of oh, bear understand, and then that's how we get into the debt situation, right? Exactly. So you took the first step. There's nothing, like, be guided. <laughs> get that guide who right. has that wisdom, right. right? And that's your accountant for you. Overall, like, as I, as I just think about everything you shared with us, and, like, I've been taking notes like crazy. But the thing that's really stuck out to me through all this, you know, is when you said, if you have a big goal, but you can't write it out, mm -hmm. you need to reevaluate. Yeah. That, that's hit me the most because, you know, I believe in the Lord. And to me, you know, that just reminds me of the, of the verse Habakkuk 2, verse 2, you know, write it and make it plain, mm -hmm. you know, so that somebody and running by can see it just that's what that speaks to me like if you can actually write it and it's like yo if somebody else you just tell them real quick the other needs a translation that doesn't mean you got to put a billboard if somebody's running by that just means that if you're able to write it and then explain to somebody else who's never heard it mm -hmm. and it makes sense not that they have to agree with it but they just can see what you're talking about and it makes sense then you have something worth working for so I just needed to throw that in there and just kind of like, thank you for sharing that bit because that, that's hit me. That's hit me hard. I promise you, I'll be, you can ask Carl. I have 10,000 ideas a day. We all And do. I text Carl all 10,000 <laughs> every single day. You know, sit down and prioritize, really. When you're able to right. reevaluate, sit down, prioritize and say, okay, this one's realistic for this moment. Not saying yeah. the other nine aren't, but just at this moment where you currently are in this being present, you're being realistic with yourself and saying, this is what I could achieve. So small gains. Well, you know, they're small because it's one out of, out of you have nine more to go. <laughs> but those small gains, when you're able to achieve them, that's whenever you're able to just pick up that esteem and that, that energy and achieve more. But you, you need that first step. That first step. I love it. <laughs> this is crazy. Because I feel like there's, there's still so much more we got to talk about. But that's okay, though, because that just means we got to do a part two. Okay. <laughs> but no, seriously, this this was such a treat. <laughs> I was excited from the, the moment that I read the email from Tavana, you know, 
talking about you. I was like, oh, bring her on. <laughs> you you definitely did not disappoint at all. So thank you so much for hopping on. And of course, before we let you go, though, we like to ask, just in case anybody, you know, wants to connect with you or find you, um, what what contact information or what social media stuff would you leave? Yes. So if, if it's more for physical therapy, you heard me mention some of that women's health stuff and pelvic floor. That's at info, I-N-F-O, at rootptandwellness.org. And I also can be found on Instagram at rootptwell. If it's for health and financial coaching, that's hello at care for you first, number four. Um, and then you could say, find me on Instagram the same. Care is number four, you first. Because we need to put ourselves first again. So I can dig it. All right. Well, once again, Amber, thank you so much. We are so grateful that you took the time to come chat with us. And to our lovely listeners, as always, we love you. We appreciate you. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here listening to us. If you got some value from this episode, you know, subscribe, like, share, comment, hit us up, hit Amber up. You know, we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback that, that we get from you guys and all the love that you've poured into this podcast. So uh, just keep that going. You guys are, are what help us keep going. And until next time, peace and many blessings. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.